Emily, nice to see you. Thanks for being here. So what do you make of the volatility? I know the market averages don't paint the exciting picture of this week that was. When I look at something a tenth of percent, it doesn't even remotely capture what a week this was. It was quite a week, Nicole. I think we're all looking forward to the weekend after some of the volatility that we saw, particularly on Monday. And we were quite surprised to see it so contained throughout the rest of the week. And you really had a number of things to think about. You know, of course, this uh, failure of Evergrande to, to, to start things off on Monday. And then, of course, moving through to the Fed announcement on Wednesday, which was much more hawkish than we had expected. The explicit uh, tapering discussion laid out, you know, Powell saying that he expects tapering to be wrapped up in the middle of 2022. Uh, so a lot to digest, some economic data that came in weaker than expected, and the market's really showing quite a bit of resilience in, in the midst of all of these uh, different headlines, perhaps investors focusing on the fact that this economic cycle continues to unfold. The data is holding up. We're nowhere near a recession yet, but it looks like around the globe, central banks, it's time. We're ready to roll. And central banks, including the, um, the Bank of England and the Fed, both indicated this week that they're looking to tighten monetary policy soon. Yeah, I had a great conversation earlier today with uh, Blueford Putnam, the chief economist at CME Group. And it was interesting because we were talking about at least a, the hawkish part of Jay Powell's conference and the fact that, as you said, tapering should end middle of next year. So it shows that there's something there. But he was also talking about the pressure that may come from the administration, from Biden. So the Fed can sort of wait and see right now but I'm not sure how long they can wait and see. Yeah, and I think the the sort of ongoing drama in Washington is another one of those bricks in the wall of worry for investors right now. There is a chance of a government shutdown on Friday. There is a chance that we run into some issues in terms of raising the debt ceiling. And frankly, those are all things that could potentially push tapering out. It's clear that Powell wants to start in November. If we do run into some of these challenges in D.C., you know, that could put some pressure on that timeline. So it remains a moving target. And we're going to have to see how some of those issues in Washington play out over the course of the week. Yeah. And, you know, as Treasury yields spiked higher, right? I think that was a big story. And by the way, mortgage rates moved up, not with the Fed funds rate, but with the 10-year. And, and that'll be an ongoing story as we have to also digest or closely watch what's going on with China, Evergrande, crypto, and anything else. Yes, I forgot that in my opening comments, uh, talking about all of the drama in the markets this week. Certainly, policymakers in China adding on to uh, their onslaught of regulatory me measures, um, essentially saying that you know Bitcoin was going to be outlawed. Uh, you know, I think policymakers in China are having a bit of an identity crisis right now. You know, they're trying to decide whether to you know let unprofitable, inefficient uh, companies fail, or, or are they going to step in? Uh, you're also seeing them sort of move away from these more capitalistic tendencies that they've been embracing over the last a number of years. And in our view, 
you know, we're, we're starting to see that potentially supply chains that have been relocated to China, perhaps that starts to come back to the U.S. Perhaps we see this trend of onshoring into the U.S. actually continue as it becomes less hospitable for businesses to, um, to do business in China. So we think that benefits U.S. companies, particularly small and mid-sized companies in the U.S., as we move those supply chains back home, uh, we could see a benefit for owning these U.S.-based companies. And you mentioned earnings. Uh, you know, you, you said I didn't mention this in my open. If you mentioned everything in the open, we, we'd be here for an hour because it was a most exciting week. And that's why I think this close is such a big deal, too. Um, we had earnings. How about, and some of which were great, right, with up arrows, but how about Nike? How about FedEx? Two great American companies that are just showing a little bit of tepidness. But at the same time, we had on an analyst today who loves Nike, said the demand is there. Just give it a second. Give it a second with the supply chain worries. Still had an outperform. Still had, a, I think it was a 195 target. Still loved it. Yeah, you're seeing the fingerprints of supply chain disruptions all over the earnings of those companies that you named. And, you know, we do agree that this is something that is transitory, but these supply chain issues, whether it's labor shortages, whether it's it's material shortages, they are real and they are becoming more persistent than we had originally expected. Uh, particularly, again, back to China, you saw that more sort of draconian response from from China as this wave of COVID took over and they shut down sh uh, shipping terminals. Uh, so that's had a, had a big impact here. We do think we get through it. We do think that there are opportunities in those companies, uh, but it's, it's certainly right. something that's persisting longer than we expected. Right, and they had the Vietnam shutdown, those types of things. Um, when you look at the big picture here and you look at these companies, I know you were also looking at sectors, right? So. Is it risk on or risk off? Because it's hard to tell. Uh, you know, you have financials doing well, you have energy doing well. Doesn't that sort of say more risk on? It's such a strange mix of cross-asset performance. As the mood doesn't seem risk on, we're seeing areas do well, highly cyclical areas that are benefiting from this backup in rates. We're seeing areas like energy perform well this week, despite the fact that it's clear the growth in China is slowing and you got to, in order to have a sort of commodity super cycle, you need China to participate. So a bit of an odd mix of cross asset performance for us, we're continuing to lean into quality sectors and quality stocks. So it's those companies that have the ability to grow organically, even as the economic backdrop slows, it's the ability to protect margins, companies that can withstand higher input costs and margin pressure. And that's gonna bring you to areas like technology and communication services in the US. We also like healthcare, um, a sector that has a little bit more of a defensive element to it, but can also still offer some participation as well as we move away from the early part of the economic cycle, ultra accommodative Fed policy, earnings that are surging off the bottom, all parts of the risk spectrum doing well into the middle part of the cycle. The Fed's starting to pull away. We're seeing earnings estimates still move higher, but starting to level out a bit here. You, it's going to be a lot harder to find those winners underneath the hood. So stock selection, looking at quality is going to be increasingly important as we head into the back half of the year and into 2022.